What's up, Andy? Not much. Back from Christmas break. Yeah, it was good. I'm glad I have, so. I have a vivid memory when I was in grade five. Yeah. It was 2005. I remember, this is what I t- when I talk about how when I was a kid, I always had like something weird about the way I thought about things. So I have a vivid memory of in 2005, yeah. looking at the chalkboard in my classroom, and my teacher <laughs> wrote for the first time 2005 oh, yeah? on the board, and me thinking like, wow, like it's already 2005. Pretty soon it's going to be 2025. Really? I have a vivid memory. Really? Grade five. I remember my seat. I remember looking at the board and I'm like, holy crap, like time passes by. I, was, you, I would have been 10. Do you remember New Year's at the Millennium? Is that what they call 2000? Yeah. Millennium. No, I, I thought you were I young. Too young. Yeah? I was like six. Everyone thought the world was ending. I know. Like, that was legit. Like, I know. That was like, I got to say, day. quite honestly, I knew it wouldn't. <laughs> I was sitting there going, what is wrong with people? I know, I know. So funny. What was the, because the next one, isn't it like every so often they say like, like wasn't 2012 the next one after that? No, but they were saying that 2000 because computers, clocks, like nothing was set. Everything was going to crash. crash, Yeah. And then there was people thinking like that's the end of the world and all this stuff. And it's like, wow. I know, I know. People were panicked. I know, because I I think 2000 might have been like a bigger deal but i remember in 2012 that was a thing too everyone said oh in the mayan calendar this is the last day or something like that. i don't know we're still here though i'd love to know the last day though what's the have you heard of the movie I, don't, I never watched it i don't remember what it's called but it's uh you had instead of money your currency was time so every time everyone had like a clock on their wrist or whatever and every time you did anything that normally would cost money it would cost you time so there was ways that they would scan your arm and you would lose time. That would be how you'd pay. And then there'd be other things that would gain you time. So then all like the richest people had the most time instead of the most money. And so they could like waste as much time as they wanted because they had all this time instead of money. It's kind of an interesting thing, but you could see the countdown. So when people's like last seconds were coming, you could see yeah, when it was happening. Like a, oh, yeah. Good knowing you, buddy. I know. Right? Yeah. Weird. That's that cool. A, that's a, I don't know what movie that is though. That was an it was I don't a movie, know. but I don't, I don't watch know. movies. I'm very few, movies to me are few and far between. Same, same. I know. Same. Um, okay, what's what do you got? So number one, your Christmas was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. I had three days. I had twenty second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. I don't know how you're walking. And then New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. So the 29th and 30th were my only two days where I didn't have like an event. But those two days were the Powertech three on three tournament, which was like a twelve hour to fourteen hour workday. Those two days, so we were. It was not a time for relaxation for me, although a lot of the family stuff you're kind of just potatoing around. But it's not the good kind. It's not the relaxing kind. It's like you're eating and drinking and feeling like crap and going to bed late and all that stuff. So like, yeah, you're worn out. It's not really relaxing. It's kind of the opposite. Yeah. But I do enjoy all that. But it was a busy time. Yeah. yeah. I just go to bed so early. It's just. Same. It's hard. Get out of my routine. That's the hard part about the holidays. I'm out of my routine. Yeah, same. Like, wow. My sleep clock totally shifted. Oh, yeah. Like, going to bed between 11 p.m. and 2 to 3 a.m. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. It's not not the normal lifestyle for this this guy over yeah. here. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Powertech Online Membership Program. If you've been listening to Andy and I wondering, hey, how are they able to get all this podcast content out there? 
Well, that's because of our members. For just $9.99 a month, you can get access to our online video library, including hundreds of videos of Coach Andy teaching and have the option for consultation calls with Andy or myself to go over anything you need. We can cover training, nutrition, coaching, parenting, agents, the junior college hockey path, whatever's of interest to you. You'll also be able to participate in our popular Ask Me Anything episodes, have access to special discount codes, and be given priority for any Powertech in-person camps or events. If you like what we're doing here and you want to support us, this is the best way to do it. Visit powertechhockey.ca slash memberships or find the link in the description of this video to learn more. Did you, We were um, just talking briefly about the World Juniors. Yeah, World. I haven't watched the game. Oh, you haven't? No, no. I didn't get it. I tried to. Didn't. Just didn't. Too much shit going on. You know what? You know what it was too? Because like you could watch it, but if not, if the group isn't into watching it, then they're not watching it, you know? So you know, I kept up with like kind of the scores and stuff, but I didn't get to watch any games. Um, Canada lost. Yep. So that'll be that'll be probably their worst finish since like since Eki played, I think. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, maybe because yeah, they've been a while. They finished sixth, I think. His year, yeah, I don't know. They lost in the quarterfinals, so it's yeah, about same six. thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, they they were just kind of missing something this year. You know, I was just just thinking about it because they had a lot of younger guys, a lot of eighteen year olds. It's typically a nineteen year old tournament. You can make excuses or whatever, but the bottom line is that, you know, you got a, like a, a bunch of those guys that could be on the team that are in the NHL, but you'd think Canada has more players to pick from. I think there could have been other choices. Of course, I thought that. Everybody thought, thinks that, but um, they, they competed hard, I guess. And uh, But that, that's the question, you know, I was actually thinking of doing a podcast about it today, was um, Canada was the superpower of hockey. And are we still? Is that the that's the question? And I, I really, I really think that over the years, um, it's kind of like when we just break down youth hockey. Is the best team the best team because of the development and everything they're doing things right, or is it because the they have the best hockey players? And I think my opinion is that over the over a long period of time, Canada just had more players, and you could put. 25 guys together and most likely going to be the best players and or best team. But in the last, well, let's say 20 years, the way the U S has, you know, Wayne Gretzky moving to the States and it exploding down there and you got kids playing um, college and youth hockey has exploded in the States and there's more U S hockey players um, than there ever have been, obviously maybe even more than Canada. I don't know what the numbers is, but now, and they have a good development model, I think. So I think, uh, whereas, and they're just exploding with really good hockey players. Like, it's exploding. Like, the U.S. team is really good. Sweden's really good. Which brings me to the other point is that they're doing something in the development that I think we're not. I mean, we were watching the game against Sweden, and I was with my kid, and I said, it's like it's almost like Sweden is like, you know, kids here want to be goal scorers. And I th- I'm not saying that they don't want to in Sweden, but it just seems like the the pride, the best hockey player wants to be a good defenseman. They're so freaking good on D, like so impressive. It's almost like that's the, that's the pin, sorry, that's the pinnacle of being a hockey player in Sweden. So, anyways, my question is, in Canada, have we, have we, like, how do we pick that team? Right, we pick it by kids go to their major junior teams and then, or colleges, and then they they pluck them out for two weeks. Whereas the U.S. has the U17, U18 program, where they have a developmental model. They develop, they develop the ADM, I think it's called. You know, they have a, they have a system of how they want things done, and maybe it works. 
or maybe it's just they have more players now. And then, but you look at, sorry, last thing, and then you look at the European countries that you have club systems. So things are done a certain way and it might be done better than it is in Canada now because we were just the best hockey nation for a long time. Russia, you Soviet, that was another one. <coughs> so anyways, I think it's a really good uh, opportunity not to get all weird about it, but I think it's a good opportunity. I think anytime you, you succeed or fail, I think it's a good t- good opportunity to look at why it worked or why it didn't. And uh, I've been saying it for a while. I think things have to be done differently here in Canada. I would I would agree. Like I think so. I just pulled up. We 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 looked at this once before, but we I just pulled up like n- number of hockey players, number of registered hockey players. This is from twenty one twenty two. So not one hundred percent recent, but close enough. Um, states five hundred fifty one thousand. Canada, 513,000. So have more in the States now? More in the States. That and, doesn't surprise me. Eh? Well, they have more people overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're popping and up they're in popping places up, like right? Texas and California. Their, yeah. their college system is amazing and, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, next after that is Russia, which is 103,000. So quite the drop off. Finland, 66. Sweden, 61. Czech, 34. Switzerland, 29. Germany, 21. So like... You're talking Canada, U.S. are 5x the next biggest, which is Russia. And then Russia's 3x Czech, or the Czech team, right? So Czech beats Canada in the quarterfinal. And it, that's not like two evenly matched teams that just played in Czech one. It's like Czech is by all, but like whatever metric you want is a crazy underdog. You know what I mean? just by population of what they get to pick from alone. So to your point about, you know, Canada, why are they, why are they always one of the top teams? Canada, us, that's the final game in most tournaments. Why is that the case? And it's like, well, yeah, they have way more population to pick from. So can they get away with poor development practices just because they can make up for it with population? And you see this, we could, like you said about youth hockey, go to Toronto and is it that the junior Canadians have the best coach or the Marlies have the best coach or the best development system? Or is it that they have the best pockets to pick from and everyone wants to go there because of that, you know? So, and this is, and this goes to, I might go off tangent here, but this That's goes good. to, I like it though. this goes to something I noticed. So over the, over the holiday, I was posting some videos of just like on the coaches board, just like people ask me questions about the kind of shit like this all the time. They ask us all the time about stuff. So I made a bunch in advance just over the holiday. So I had stuff to post through those days and all those videos are like popping off. Like everybody's really into the chalk talk type videos. And I'm not saying anything that's more than basic. No. No. So, and and it was funny because one guy on a couple of the videos was commenting, like making fun of me for posting these videos. Like, wow, dude, you're real smart. Like, like chirping my videos because of how basic it is. And I'm like, I know, like this is literally basic stuff. And, other comments I'm getting are like, this is amazing. No one in our association teaches us this stuff. No one's telling us how to do this. Everyone just expects that we know it. And this is coming from parents, from players, from coaches, from everybody. And it's really interesting because here we are in Canada is supposed to be the the powerhouse hockey, premier hockey center in, in the world. And I got people commenting like, my kid in their AAA loop doesn't know what the winger should do on the breakout. So again, to your point about the development system, it's like, how are we, how are we teaching kids? Like, how are we teaching kids what to do, um, how to play the game, how to think the game and what are we focusing on? Have we just 
gotten comfortable because we have been the best since whatever, since the end of the Soviet era, I guess, right? Where Canada's really been the top dog and the U.S. has been nipping on their heels the whole time. But after the Soviet Union, it's been Canada, basically. Yeah. And, and then Russia has been good, too. They've been good. Czech had a couple of years. Sweden, and they're always in there. But I'm but saying, like, just... year over year. It's like Canada yep. is yep. the favorite. Yep. Like, that's what it is. The U.S. now is also a favorite, right? Oh, I think the so, U.S. is good. Right. So, like, that's my, my thing is, like, have we just got complacent with what we're able to do because we have the population? Like, do we need to reinvent? And, and to be totally honest, like, our... The system of minor hockey, I'll, I'll speak for Ontario at least, but we get complaints from everywhere. Like I got people from BC, I got people from Manitoba, I got people from out east. Like I got a kid I'm meeting with next week from out east playing AAA, trying to figure out how to get to higher levels and stuff. And all of them are may have the same complaints. It's the same complaints. It's like our 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 board doesn't have any idea how to develop the players. Our, and and people like to complain, and it's easy to point fingers. So that's one thing also, but. I notice in our area, like if I look at our AAA centers around here, it's like, I don't know, I don't know what anyone is doing to try to make things better over time. It just seems like status quo is what everyone kind of goes for. And the people that are in charge of making decisions, I don't even know who they are, but it just seems like there's no effort into pushing things forward where you look at a Sweden, you look at a Finland, you look at Czech. And like you said, they have their club teams or whatever. They have a system. It's like everyone's buying into the system. It's almost like soccer. We've talked about well, that before. Well, it becomes right? very important, right? It becomes like when you look at how we do it in North America, it, it does, does the OHL, like the Canadian Hockey League or the NHL, care what the peewee team is doing? Whereas if you do have a club system like the soccer does or in – like they do in Europe, well, it's actually important. Yeah. So there's Those this is the players. way we play. This is where you're going. You, yeah, we're, we're we're hoping that you're going to be one of our players in eight years or whatever, how many years. So it's actually important that the the coaches coach and teach and you know you learn systems and skill and all that stuff. It's an interesting thing to to break down. Oh eh? well, yeah, because it's. I mean, you look just from the coaching standpoint, even like knowing on the backside what it takes to try to get coaches and try to get people to do just to come and coach your team at whatever age. It's like if there isn't a top down like system of what we're trying to do, then it's, it'd be like any company or any organization. It's like if the layers underneath, you don't know what they're doing or working on. By the time they get up to the top, it's just going to be a mess, which is what a lot of unfortunately a lot of youth hockey is now um because it's just gotten all other not all i shouldn't say all but a lot of other hockey countries or countries that take hockey seriously they're trying they've had to try to catch up so what does that mean when you have to try to catch up like you have to innovate you have to try to do things different ways you have to try different systems to see what works and then now you have like russia finland sweden czech Swiss usually they don't do great, but the odd time they have a good team. They're coming, man. Yeah, Germany's now they're up in in the tournaments yeah. now. They're not they get smacked, but they're coming. Yeah, and, Slovakia. And Slo yeah, so what they're are they, producing first round picks? Germany is yeah. like yeah. So so what do they they have to try to catch up? They have to make up for those gaps because they don't have the population. So in the, all this time of you know the last whatever twenty years, let's say where they've been trying to reinvent their systems and figure out the best way to compete with Canada with the U.S. They've had no choice but to figure out a system to make their players better because they don't have all these players. You can't just take Celebrini from Boston, or you can't just 
take whatever other guy from the Western League when you have a tournament and you just th- throw a super team together and you guys will probably be okay. It's like they don't have that luxury, you know. They might have a couple guys that they can pull from, but the rest of their team has to be brought up in a system where they are bought into a certain style of play. Otherwise, they're going to go against the powerhouse and get smacked just because of the firepower thing, you know, just because of that reason alone. So now they can actually come and outplay or out-system or, or whatever, you know. And so that there's something to be said about that for sure. Well, it was really neat because of whatever the year was. I read some of Anatoly Tarasov's book, Contraxiak and stuff. I used to read a lot of Russian hockey. And uh, when Tarasov, um, ah, no, I'm trying to think what his what he did before. I think I don't know if it was soccer. I don't. I can't remember. Like before hockey. Yeah, he wasn't a hockey player. Mm. He was, a, but they call him the Godfather of Russian hockey or Soviet hockey. So when he was given the task to make hockey good over there, he studied chess and soccer and all these things. And you might think it's crazy, but like it was a different set of eyes watching the game. And obviously in 72, when the Canadians played the Soviets, 1972 series, the Summit Series, it was like a total different brand of hockey. Like the Canadians, North American NHL style was up and down, finish your hits, dump it in, chase. And these guys were, it was the true puck possession, right? And the guys were slashing. They just knew where everyone was going to be. You know, if they didn't have possession, they'd throw it back. And they played as five-man units, not as three lines, uh, three guys on a line 2D. And all this, all these different things, and and uh, you know, it changed everything. Like now, you had to, you had to go. Okay, what are they doing over there? But it wasn't anything really that we did here, yeah. right? They changed, right? And then now you look at, you look at. Um, well, I mean, there's so many, so many different concepts. Eh? Like, is there, is there even, like, if you go back to like the way North American hockey was 30, 40 years ago. You know, those straight lines, dump it in, finish your checks, all that kind of stuff. Um, I forget what I was going to say about that. Well, I got one to jump in. It's just, such a, it's just such a huge evolution, right? Yeah. So I was listening to This is why it's important, like you said, make me think of just saying how they studied chess. They studied other things. Uh, I was listening to uh, Jeff Bezos on a podcast the other day, and he was talking about how like all companies die, right? Every company is going to die. Uh, every organization's going to die. It happens. Everyone has their day. And he was saying that's why it's really important that you go into everything with kind of like day one thinking, you know? So when you, f- the first day you started your company, like what was the mindset? How did you figure out what you were going to do? How you're going to deliver a product market, et cetera? What was your mindset? And try not to keep that even when it's day 794. Because if you don't, if you get complacent, then it's going to it's going to die it's going to be overtaken whatever and i think you're you're seeing a little bit of that uh with with i would say canada with hockey but you could say it with whatever sport and part of it is too just like other other places are going to catch up because you can only there's well, only you get a genius somewhere yeah right that there's only it. yeah there's only so much innovation and whatever that you can do but if you're not doing that and you're just enjoying your lead you know it's the what is it the tortoise and the hare if you're just enjoying your, if you're just enjoying your lead and you're not paying attention, the next thing you know, the 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 next guy in line's right on top of you, and you because you were just enjoying enjoying the the gap that you had, but slowly it closes and closes, and then next thing you know, you got whatever the next guy is that's right on top of you, you know. Yeah, so you could even look at like the game now. That's what I, that was my point when when 
back in the 72, 80s, it was like straight lines. You know, you knew who your winger was. You knew who your centerman was. But now it's like positionless. Yeah. Like there's right, a face-off. Yeah, there's a face-off. Face yeah. And then you go. And yeah. if, you know, if you're F1, you're F1. Like you just start filling in gaps, right? Mm -hmm. well, so. that's, it's, it's exciting to me, like maybe putting up a uh, optimistic spin on it. It's like there's opportunities for us to learn from those other systems because then we'll have the we'll still have the population but we'll also have like the innovative mind behind it and that's where you can start to get your gap back you know because i, I see like some of the ways or some of the things that happen in minor hockey here and i'm not saying it's necessarily a, an easy fix but it's definitely seems simple where it's like okay if we just kind of have everything lined up where everyone is kind of working towards the same thing just that alone would be a huge improvement in what goes on day to day. You know, it's amazing to me to hear like some of the feedback from people that are in the minor hockey systems, how like these are, these are the things that they have to deal with or, or go through or their organization is doing this or the board is doing this. And like some of the decisions that are made, it's just like, it's unfortunate to see that that's what's happening where around the world we have these Top and I mean from the outside it looks great obviously but the results kind of speak for themselves like they're kind of catching up and it seems like that top down that club style or whatever it is where everyone's buying into what everyone else is doing that seems like the way of uh, of the future in terms of development at least right well one one last thing for me here is one um, one risky move maybe was Kitchener Rangers in the off season so they hired you know if you're coaching major junior A hockey in Canada. You probably take it an old school. Typically, that's what they do. It's old school Canadian guy, U.S. guy. They hired uh, UC Hosakas, Ahakos, uh, or whatever his name is, from Finland. And, uh, you know, that could have went one way or another. Well, now, Kitchener, they loaded up last year. And they still have some good assets from last year, but they were supposed to be, on paper, not a very good team. And I, I thought that for sure. I said, oh, they got a few guys, but they're not going to be that. They, they can't be that good. They lost quite a few guys, like goal scoring, like the high-end guys. These guys just put up goals every game. And they're playing a pretty good style. So I would say that was a really good gamble. Yeah, what's going but on But he brought there, a different right? mindset to the game, right? Yeah. And, and it's important, man. You have to be open-minded to that. Yeah. Seems that like stuff. a very good student of the game too, right? Obviously, yeah. to, to be able to teach it. So anyways, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, I think this kind of tails nicely into um, – more what we wanted to talk about today anyways um you were mentioning to me before we started recording some thoughts you've had some conversations you've had yeah. um from the youth hockey perspective so why don't you start off with that we'll yeah just it. it was a couple of weeks ago but that with that, that i'm thinking of this one statement but it's it's a common it's a common thing that keeps re reoccurring yeah keeps reoccurring and it's uh one of the, the direct question i had a couple of weeks ago was when did you when when did you know that your kid was gonna had a chance like to make it or to to get like school whatever like you have a chance to be a hockey player and he goes like and then it was like when did you when did you see the kids on his team or that age when did you know that guys were going to be hockey players like when can you tell and then it was like there's like, a hard question. <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah. Um, and then, so to piggyback on that, like questions that that keep coming around that type of thing would be, um, 
Like, when is it time to start training? When do you take it seriously? When, you know, all those questions, uh, you know, my kid's decent, like he's good, but you can see it's like, he's good, but like, there's guys that are like, they're so big. They're so much bigger than him. It's like, yeah, it's just the puberty thing and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like the reoccurring thing is the, like how I look at those questions as a, as a dad is when you're watching your kid, it's like, okay, I, I either want him to be good or he's not bad, but he's not the best right now. But like, when do you know? So it's like, like the underlying question is like, do you, does my kid have a chance? Yeah, kind that's, of thing? that's that's basically that's it. The this, in this, other in different ways, they yeah, mask it. Is but it that's too the late? Question. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's not the best. It's right. venom and stuff like yeah. that, right? Yeah. So my answer to that particular person was, when did I? When did you? When did I know? I said, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can answer that question correctly. I, I, I think when you, when you start looking at U15, U14, U14, maybe even U13, you can start to get a sense of who's got a really good foundation or a pretty good base. But I said, that's just, you know, so I went through some names on, of, of kids that in, in a couple age groups. And I said, this kid was really good at 14. This one was really good at 16 uh this one didn't have a chance this one did but the foundations are there on some of them but you actually can't say <laughs> this year this is a year where you'll know your kid's gonna be good because there's so many things that come into play right and then the more that i watch like being involved directly like why like because i i'm helping out with a, a junior team and and i watch so much ohl hockey and watch all my guys develop it's like the more i see it and i was just having this conversation with someone the other day the more i'm like right into it again is the more i realize that that, that getting getting drafted like being being good early doesn't mean anything actually and because there's so many things that can get in the way it could be like could be that you peak could be that you haven't peaked yet and therefore at 18 or 19 or 20 you become a hockey player could be that you haven't learned the game or you you uh you're just skilled or you don't want to learn the game anymore so you kind of or you don't compete as hard as other guys so it's your your skill set didn't matter um could be size it could be opportunity you know timing a lot of the time has a lot to do with it but there's so many things that determine whether you're have a chance or not and anyway so my conversation with this person was you know, I'm, I'm actually really more convinced, but I'm talking from a, a dad too, right? Like it doesn't, if you get drafted in the NHL in the first round, what I think it gives you is gives you a leash to make some mistakes, gives you a leash, gives you some free games a contract and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't guarantee anything. I know that's not rocket science to anybody that's been around the game. But I'm really, really convinced that if you went in the fourth round or the seventh round or you're a free agent, that there's a place for you if you if you do the job. And I've just seen it too many times now. So I was saying, like, we're just talking about the OHL. I said, like, it's amazing how a first, second, third round pick are supposed to be the stars of the future. And then you see this 12th round, 8th round, 7th round, 6th round, free agent come in, and they're actually really, really good players. Like, I'm not saying actually like it's such a surprise, but there's more than what you would think. And there's just so many reasons for that, right? Yeah. Well, it's like, a, it's almost like a, the, when I think of the draft 
any at any level. You're just taking a or making a bet, more or less. Like the team is just making a bet, and bets are not always correct, <laughs> right? Like you you lose a lot of bets. So there's odds. You play the odds, like you would with any kind of any kind of betting thing you're you're doing on. But um, I mean it's the same it's the same thing. You you got guys that are supposed to be this and they're not guys that were supposed to be that and they're not guys that weren't supposed to do anything and they are and then you scale that up to higher levels and it's the same thing and i think it's hard the sports like hockey are hard team sports in general are hard or any sport where there's multiple skills happening at the same time like if you're like let's take what's an example like if you're a 100 meter guy it's like your time's your time you know so when you're i'm sure i don't know anything about track but let's say by the time you're 14 if you're not hitting a certain time, then you can probably be pretty sure of whatever the outcome is going to be. Like it's a very one-to-one measurement, you know, but if you are in a sport like hockey where like physical isn't everything, you know, mental isn't everything, skating isn't everything, shooting isn't everything. There's a, a bunch of things that in combination have to be going right. It's really, really complicated and difficult to know who's going to be what and what's going to happen because you can have a kid even that's on the, best development track ever and they get a coach that just doesn't like them and that changes the outcome you can get a kid that wasn't supposed to be anything and they got a coach that really likes them and they get 10x the opportunity and they develop beyond what anyone thought was possible and they get to be you know whatever position they're going to be in that they shouldn't have been in maybe you know and i think when you start to scale that down into youth hockey like i was just having a conversation today and they were talking about the person I was talking to was was talking about U8s, U7, U8, U9. And they were talking about uh, there's a certain program around here that's really good for these or seems to be really good for these young kids. And when that kids coming out of that program go play other teams, they just smash everybody. And I was kind of saying, like, well, it's not surprising. Like, the way that that program is run, these kids get a ton of reps before anybody else. It's run a lot with a lot of intensity relative to everyone else. So are these kids really good? Or are they just first, you know, and that's something that people need to understand. And then at the same time, you talk to these parents and the parents of the seven, eight, nine year olds. Well, they don't know anything else. They're, they have seven, eight, nine year olds. So for them, it's like, yeah, we need to make sure that we're, we're still staying on top of everything and we should copy what they're doing because they're the best right now. And it's really hard to see outside of your bubble of, you know, seven, eight, nine year olds, where for us, we look at seven, eight, nine year olds and it's like, it does, I don't care who the best player is. It literally doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's fun to have fun. It's fun to be good and all that's great. But in terms of hockey players, who's going to be the hockey players later on, it doesn't give you any real insight into anything. Like, I'm sure there's some exceptional situations. If you have a Sidney Crosby type kid that is, is that good. Or when you talked about um, Denver Barkey when he was young and it was like, yeah, this kid's just Yeah, but he could have just else. as well been no good in right. a couple of years. But but that's the foundations were right. there. The foundation, right? The that's foundations I mean. and the, like he, he was a really nice skater with good good hands as a little kid and he moved the puck and all that stuff. So that foundation was there. So that's what I would say to you know, the, the first thing I would say to the dad is is um, like that the ask those questions is number one, um, don't worry about it. Like, and I know that's easy to say, don't worry about your kid's development. <laughs> I get that. Like, you're a dad, you're just saying, like, is, am I invested? Because the question really is, is like, am I wasting my time and it costing me money and time and I sometimes get emotional and blah, blah, blah. And they, you know, that's another part of the question, right? 
should I, how do I deal with this with my kid? But the bottom line is um, the kids, like I, the, the light I like to use a lot of the times is that the, you have motivated parents and you have motivated players, but they usually don't live in the same house. And you want to make sure that your kid's a motivated player and not the motivated dad. So if your kid's motivated enough, he's going to do things that are going to be hockey related. He's going to want to do it on his own and you won't have to force them or wonder. And at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 even, it's not it's not critical that they're out dedicating their life to hockey. It just, it just isn't. It's, it's important that they play sports and it's whatever because things can change. But if you're looking at it, if you're looking at your kid and this, this can still change because you can learn hockey and learn to love it or learn that, Oh, I'm good at it. And I, that can happen at 17 or 18. Right. But the, when you're looking at your kid about, or when you're looking at other kids, you're trying to compare your kid, like where does he stack with these players? If you're looking at the guy that carries the puck and scores a lot of goals, like that's might be a good guy. It might be a good player, but what you're looking, what you want to look for is those foundations the foundations of hockey and it's it's competing hard to measure that when you don't really understand what that means in the hockey world um but is he unselfish like is he willing to make a play is he not just thinking about himself because it's important like it's actually really important it, does he does he back check and it's not like it's, it's not like it's something you can't teach but it's it's a it's a foundation right could he handle the puck okay? Like the basic skills are, there's a base there that you go, okay, it's not bad, but it's like all the little things are, and, and being a team player, even though a lot of people argue, you don't have to be a team player, you do. Um, and So if you have the foundations and the work, that gives you a chance. Now, when is the day that you'll know? You won't <laughs> until the day comes. So it's not at 14, and, and, and I get it. I've seen a lot, and you've seen a lot of players. Like, let's just use a couple examples that we have just in our place. Like, we used uh, Warren Clark, right? So Warren Clark was uh, he's an '04 player, and he was a decent youth hockey player. Just he was decent, and maybe he, actually, he didn't he didn't play AAA until that's right. Actually, until later. sorry to cut you off. You no, it's go, okay. You, but he, because I, I asked him explicitly explicitly about this. So, sorry, anyone that doesn't know Warren, he got drafted last year to Tampa Bay sixth round, and he's playing at St. Cloud on a Division One scholarship right now. He didn't, I don't think he made AAA until he was 13. That sounds about and right. And he was going to get cut unless he played, he was either a forward, I think he was a forward, and he would only make the team if he said he would play D. So he was actually a forward, got cut. Now he's a defenseman. He played AAA as a defenseman and worked his way up from there. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. So you take this guy. So you just kind of said a little bit about it. And this is what this is like. I really want parents and kids to understand this because, and, I, and, I, and I'm just going to go back a little bit. And I understand, like, when I say these things, that when it's a personal issue, it's different because you don't want to face adversity. You, don't, you just want to be the best guy. That's all. You just want to know and, and have an easy path, but it's just sometimes not the way it is. Most times, most times actually. So you said Warren was drafted in the seventh round or sixth round to Tampa Bay as a defenseman and goes to St. Cloud State University, got a scholarship last year. Up until, 
up until the year before that, there's not one person that thought he was going to get drafted in the NHL. True. He didn't think that. I know. He didn't even think he was going to get a scholarship. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. This is this is the whole point. So, if Warren Clark, so one of his one of his uh, D partners that year in midget was Connor Smith. So Connor's one of our local guys here. And he was drafted to the Peterborough Peets, and he was six foot five, six foot six, and um, you know, like, and, and there's another guy to be honest with you. A lot of people said he's not a good enough hockey player. I, I yeah, always he's just big. He's yeah. just big, and he was a killer, right? Like he would just go kill people. But I remember training him and working with him on his passing, moving his feet, keeping his head up, and all that kind of stuff. He was just a super, super, super nice guy. In fact, they played uh, in Guelph a couple weeks ago, and I saw him after the game, and they lost. And he come out with the biggest smile, just happy. Just, you know, he's the nicest guy in the world. But anyways, he was another one that you would have said, like, yeah, you might get drafted. But, like, most people would say that they, they couldn't see what that intangible that I said earlier, that foundation of what he has that other people didn't have, that he was a killer. He would hammer people. And he's a tough kid. So he went fourth round to Anaheim. Anyways, those two guys are on the same team. You're talking about Warren again is, like, no one, including himself, didn't think no one, including himself, thought that he was going to, like you said, even get a scholarship. So he went and played, you know, mucked it and played on a junior B team and had a good year. COVID year. Yeah, COVID year. Then junior B year. Yeah, but he he grew to six foot three and kept himself in pretty good shape. And the bottom line was he loved hockey. He loved hockey. He was willing to work. It wasn't, I wouldn't say he was like super serious about every little thing he did, but he was serious enough to get by. And then he went out west to a tier two team. And was it Steinbach? Yeah, Steinbach. So he, got, he was on one team earlier. Right? He's in Chatham. And yeah, he but didn't he, did he go straight to Steinbach? No, he, well, he went to Brooks. Right. Went to Brooks, went to Brooks and Brooks they said no. And got cut. So there you go. That's my point. I just didn't want to say <laughs> yeah, it wrong. Right? Went so to then Brooks he went, and got cut. That's right. So then he goes to this team uh, that, yeah, well, I'm going to stay out here and play anyways. And he just played well. And it might have been the opportunities he had or whatever, but he skates well. It was a puck well, has a little bit of grit. And he got drafted in the NHL. So that was at 18 years old. Like So everything for him started happening at 17 years old. Literally at 17, six months before. Like, And and no offense, Clarky, if you hear this, no offense to you, man. But like, he wasn't, it's not like he was skating around like, wow, this guy's unbelievable. He was just good. Like he was, he was good. He could move the puck. He was big. He could skate. But it wasn't anything like, wow, this guy, he's just got it. Like there wasn't, there wasn't that, at least to me, right? Yeah, he just but he was just big and he hard. was fine, yeah. and and and, and yeah. that was that was that. And, then, and so in midget, Bantam midget, he was just a, a an okay player. Yeah, undrafted. Yeah, right. So the point to that is, as parents and stuff is is because it didn't happen at fifteen or fourteen for him. It didn't mean there's other guys on the team mm-hmm. actually, other guys on the team that you would have put way before him. Yeah, and guess what? Everyone was wrong. Yeah. So so I have something off of that. So another podcast I was listening to is uh, with Mark Cuban and he was talking about uh, like being a billionaire. And he said that uh, no one becomes a billionaire that isn't lucky. That's what he's saying. So he said, he said, you can work your way to be a millionaire, but to make the next jump to be a billionaire, he's like, there has to be some, some luck in there. And so to me, he was saying most people that are in that position, they know that they didn't necessarily earn that level they maybe earned a level below that but then they just hit they were right place right time and it just jumped them up into the next bracket where they're 
now in that billionaire category. That's what he said. And to me, the like making the NHL thing is kind of like becoming the billionaire. You can work your way to be a really good player. And then I think there's a certain amount of luck and timing that has to be lined up for you to be jumping into that next level. For example, you take a guy, even the best of the best, you take McDavid, you take Crosby, you take whoever superstar you want. Like the fact that those guys didn't have a career ending concussion when they were 17 or didn't break their femur or whatever, whatever thing that could have happened that didn't happen to them where you could find the next most amazing guy that was around and he got really hurt and came back and was never the same, whatever. There's an element of timing and luck even behind those guys that are the elite superstars. There's, there's an amount of luck and timing that goes into even them making it. So my point being, it's not just the work you do. So at least that's what I believe. So for yeah, me, like, like, and you can, you can consider luck, different levels, levels of luck, right? Like, but you do have to be lucky. I mean, I was listening to a podcast with Wayne Gretzky the other day and use the word lucky so many times. Yeah. Well, and, and that's even, you know, to win, if you're going to win, uh, win the Stanley cup, if you're going to make whatever thing, any bu- if your business idea takes off, like there's a certain amount of good timing, you know, like you brought to market an idea that was just at the right time when people needed it. And if you tried it five years ago, it wouldn't have worked or whatever. And so it's the same thing with hockey. And, and I think the reason I'm bringing that up is for parents, you can be under the illusion that you can control how it goes, especially in youth hockey when the world is still small, because you can work your way to be the best player in your area. I think that's, that's not that difficult of a thing to do necessarily is being the best player in your city or in your area. That is workable. You could work your way to that, I believe. When yeah, you start unless to get, you just got an ultra-talented kid. Yeah, but even if you're, if you're not the ultra-talented kid, like you can work your way to be one of the best players in your area just through the work you do. Like No timing, nothing. If you just put the work in, you could end up being one of the better guys in your area for sure. But once the pool starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, I think there's, yes, you have to keep the work going and all of that for sure. But on top of the work, you have to have some timing, some luck, and some of those other things to push yourself to the higher and higher levels. And I think that's where parents need to remember that because if you think you can control every little thing, you actually can't. So instead of freaking out and being like crazy dad, you, t- you talk about motivated parents, motivated players. Instead, instead of being hyper-motivated dad, keep in mind that there's only so much of this you can actually control. You know, There's only so much of it that actually what you do will impact what happens. Because at a certain point, when you get to the higher, higher levels, there's nothing else you can say, dad. There's nothing else you can do, mom. Like It's going to end up being on your kid or on circumstances that nobody has control over. So I think if you keep that kind of in the back of your mind as your kid goes through this, you know, answering the question is like, does, does your kid have a chance under the assumption like you think there's something you can do about it? Obviously, you want to support their development, give them opportunities, surround them with good people, and give them every chance possible to get better and to get to the next level and to make, make it pro if that's what the kid's dream is and all that. But if you can just take a, some perspective on it and say, hey, at a certain point, I'm not going to have control over this. So maybe let's keep it in check as we're going through this. Because there's only so many things that you actually will be able to do. You know? And I, we see it all the time. I see it all the time, man, with parents thinking that they can meddle their way to you know, getting their kid into a good position. And you can in youth, youth hockey. Like if you're enough of a pain in the ass, like you, can, you can make some extra opportunities for your kid here and there for sure. 
But after at a certain point, it, it's going to run out now. And now it's just going to be up to the ability of your kid, the work that they did, plus some of these things that no one has control over. Like you can't control if your kid breaks a bone. You can't control if this team, you know, that he was supposed to be on now can't fit him anymore and he has to go somewhere else. Like there's all these things that are going to happen that you don't have any control over. You know what I mean? Does that kind of make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. So with I that. think that timing thing is, is, uh, well, can well, be a humbling factor when you're going through it, you know? Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> It's, uh, that's, you always be careful what you wish for, right? Like, you know, you just, we go through the OHL draft, right? So like, like, I'm just saying this with my son. I could say with me when I played and stuff like that, you can say, okay, I want to do this, this, and this. It's like, then in hindsight, like, let's say there was these, these five teams that were like, really, we, uh, we really like you and go, okay, I want to go there. And cause you don't know. So let's just say it was Hamilton because uh, that was a, a team that really liked Charlie. And that year was the year that they won the cup, right? So if you get drafted as a high pick to them, it doesn't really matter because they're all 19-year-olds going for a cup, so you're probably not playing at all, like very little. It's just not timing is horseshit, right? Whereas you go to a team that's maybe last place, they had an early pick and, you know, and you go there and it's like, well, there's just more room to play because, well, you maybe got lucky you got to play and you get to develop in the league and it seems like it's quicker. But then the next year comes and it might might have been the worst thing or the best. Like, anyways, my point is you don't know. And that's why I like to like I, I use the term, like I don't like to tempt fate too much, like try to control fate too much. Like sometimes you're drafted or not drafted or, whatever happens and it happens and you have to just learn how to deal with problems or good, the good things and figure it out. And, um, yeah. So like, and if you were drafted to the, I always use that one as the Montreal Canadians in the early eighties or the Edmonton Oilers, New York Islanders in the early eighties. Well, you're probably never going to play because those 25 guys or 23 guys were the best for like 10, 12 years in that era and they won those are the teams that won the stanley cups and those guys are the the guys on that team have five stanley cups and four stanley cups and they're the 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 hall of fame of hockey so if you got drafted and you're a goal scoring centerman you got drafted to the edmonton oilers awesome you think oh we're gonna win a stanley cup it's like no you got you have to make this team now good luck are you beating out messier are you beating out gretzky are you beating out you know, the, 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 the next tier of uh, maybe Dave Lumley, the checker or whatever. It's like, good luck. Yeah, and, and, and that doesn't mean that you just have a to hell with it attitude and, and wherever the cards fall, they fall and you don't do anything to try to, that doesn't mean that either, right? Because you need everything going in your favor. Like you have to make all the, all the right decisions that you can to try to give yourself a chance if that's what your goal is. So you want your kid to be driven. Like you don't, don't say to your kid, well, I mean, there's a lot you can't control, so it doesn't really matter what you do. Like that's not the message, obviously. But I'm saying as, the, as a parent, when you're supposed to be in the more mature role and understanding some of this stuff, you need to be the one that helps to keep the kid level. Because I remember like as a kid, I was in love with hockey. I would have done anything to play anytime, call me for any pickup game, any road hockey game, anything. I was convinced I was playing in the NHL. I was convinced I was going to get everything I wanted from, from hockey in terms of being a player. Uh, I was convinced of that. I was a hundred percent sure. I wasn't 99. I was a hundred percent sure in my head, you know, and that turned out to be wrong. And it's not, it's not, I'm not saying it's because my parents didn't warn me or anything, 
Um, but there's a lot of things that I didn't have control over. And there was things I did have control over that I didn't do all I could do for sure. But there's so many things that have to happen. So as the parents watching the situation, you need to be the one that knows this, this stuff because the kid is going to be crazy about playing if they're crazy about playing. You know, they're going to be all about it. They're going to be wanting to do everything they can do. And for you, you being crazy about it also is actually not helpful. It actually could end up being harmful more than helpful. And that's what I see more often than not is the guy that has the crazy dad, the kid will fizzles out sooner than the other kids where they kind of get to play how they want to play and develop on their own track the way they want to develop, you know. Again, just like that doesn't mean you don't try to support the kid, support their development, give them chances, opportunities, get them around good people and, and all of that stuff. But just don't be a crazy person, you know. Don't be a crazy person. You have to know that a lot of this stuff, especially if you haven't been in hockey or in the hockey world before, you don't have control, man. You don't. So no, it, and 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 then that's that's the next thing, right? Is I don't know if it's the next thing and whatever. <laughs> the next the the other thing of that is that what you have to understand also. I know we're off topic of the thing, but it's fine. But the other the thing that you have to realize is that it's not. Even if you're the best of the best or top whatever, at some point you're going to have your shit sandwich, sit, sit, shit sandwiches. And, you know, you, you never want to see your kid or, you know, people that you know having hard times and having to deal with things that, that you know, you just don't feel like your kid or someone else, you know, someone you know, um, you don't want to see them deal with things that you don't, you think they're too young for it or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you're going to do this, like the hockey thing, it comes. And honestly, that's what I tell my son. I tell them all the kids that we train is like, you want to take, like if you get some shit sandwiches at 13 and 14 and 16 and 17 and you stick to it, then you're used to getting some shit sandwiches. You know that the life isn't perfect. Whereas someone that, you know, is just always good and bigger and blooms early and lives in a nice house and gets to play here and gets to do that. And everyone kisses your ass and then you get drafted or you get a scholarship to where you want to go like early and you step in and you play and the coach that, you know, the press is like, Oh, you're good. This is great. And everything you do kind of works. That that's, that's awesome. It's a good feeling, but it's coming. And when it comes, can you actually handle it because yeah, you're going to get a shit sandwich and when it doesn't go your way or when a series of things don't, it doesn't go your way. How do you react to that? So I know that kids that have to fight for things and maybe get treated unfair. And I don't even want to use that as the, as the example or whatever it is, they just don't get exactly what they want. They have to, they have to, maybe cry or they have to complain to their mom and dad, or they just wonder what life is about because this isn't fair. But what they have to do is they have to dig deep or they have to say, screw you. I'm going to do it anyways. And all those different things. And sometimes even when they do it and they do it right, it's still more shit sandwiches coming. But at the end of the day, if you get to whatever level you're shooting at, let's say it's the Canadian hockey league or college, and you've learned to deal with that. Now you're just, you're just better and thicker because that's how the hockey world works. So if you get your, you know, you don't want it to be the first time when you're under pressure in the NHL, if that's where you ended up playing, and all of a sudden the coach, 
scratches you for the first time ever in your life or gives it to you and then you, you just actually don't know what to do and then you just you know you just cry about it and whine and bitch and moan because you haven't been through it at 16 or 15 or 17 or 19 that you said okay here's a there's a there's a point that i was at that i got through it i'll get through it again right yeah so and that's that would fall under like i talk about i was just talking about like the, th- the certain things you can control that's something you can control so here's a skill that as a player as a coach to your players and as a parent to your kid there's a skill that you can actually control whether or not that is developed so this is this is where the messaging of things comes into play now because if your kid once he's going through that tough stretch if it's just like no yeah this is bullshit i don't understand how, why this is happening the coach makes no sense i hate the coach he's an idiot and whatever that's the first thing that's usually the, all yeah, the time and and that's and now there's an opportunity where you could develop or sharpen that skill and you're not doing it. And what good is it doing you to just bitch and complain about it anyways? You know? So that's where under the category of things you can control, you're now missing an opportunity to do that where, you know, there's going to be enough things you can't control, but here's one you can, and you're not doing it. And that's going to be something that'll cost you later, you know, cause everyone's going to get it. Like you're saying. Yeah. And then it's hard. That is hard for a lot of people to actually look in the mirror. Like it's actually hard for a lot of people because you know I uh, this is a for sure can't tell you how many kids that I've trained that I said you got to do this better or work on this work on this and they and they give you yeah 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 because they haven't got kicked in the nuts yet right and then they hear that same message from someone else and from someone else and it's just it it doesn't resonate right so you have to hear those messages and take it so like that's why I think it's really important for for kids when they're playing that they have like i go back to that word foundation you have your foundational skills you have to know who you are like you have to know who you are and the and, the, and your coach can think that you're something else right. <laughs> and that's okay but like if you know who you are what you're good at and you you know you even ex- maybe express that to the coach um, or he expresses it to you and he ver- verifies this is these are the things that you're good at then that's your foundation to do it better than anyone else because it's not like you got to do 10 things really well you have to do three or one or two really 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 well so like if you have the foundations whatever those are right you're always moving your feet as one shooting pucks defending what whatever they are if you always go back to that and not worry about all the other stuff it kind of takes care of itself yeah i think my last thing i think for me um in talking about this kind of stuff like in answering that question, like, does my kid have a chance or do these kids have a chance or, or whatever? I think the answer is kind of like, it doesn't actually matter because you can't really control it anyways. So my thing is just actually pre- try to prepare the kids, man. Like try to teach them. And this goes back to what I was saying at the start. Cause I think like the next couple of weeks, I want to go into some more like, like technical things that will be helpful in terms of actual hockey stuff, which we don't even like doing those episodes because it seems so basic. It seems so easy to teach and people just aren't teaching it. And I'm talking from the, the mental side, from the, the actual gameplay X's and O's side, how to make decisions on the ace and actually taking the time to teach the kids what it takes or what you actually need to be able to do, what the skill set is that you need, need to have for higher levels. It doesn't seem like it's that hard, yet we're, we get messages all the time about it where it's like people don't, aren't teaching it so if you're your mom and dad or you're a coach it's like don't assume that the kids know what they need to be doing 
You know, that's the assumption. It's like, well, you need to practice. What does practice mean? Practice what? How do I practice it? You know, you're not watching enough hockey. What am I supposed to watch? Like, which parts do, which parts do, am I supposed to watch? How would I know? I don't know. I'm a little kid. Even when you're 14 and 15, like I'm talking to these kids. We see them every day. I'm talking to these kids. They don't know the information, man. The stuff that you think they know, they don't know. And if, if they've heard it once, that's not enough times. If they've heard it five times, that's not enough times. If they've practiced it twice, that's not enough times, man. So in, in the nature of answering that question, like does, does the kid have a chance? It doesn't matter. Do your best to prepare them in case they do have a chance. Because if they do, they're going to need some skills, man. And there's just so many gaps that I can see with that are not difficult to fill if you just like have a little bit of knowledge or you just take a little bit of time, you know? So I think that's my, my like send off for, for people listening today, whether it's a player or a coach or a parent, it's like, like underestimate how much the kids know because they don't, they don't know, man. Basics, basic things. Those foundations are talking about when to move the puck, when to hold the puck, how to get the puck out on the wall. How does the breakout work? Where's the centerman supposed to be? D-zone coverage, like these hockey things. And then away from the rink for mom and dad, there's a, a whole slew of things that you could talk about, whether it's eating, whether it's sleeping, whether it's habits, whether it's who are your friends, whether it's whatever those, those things are. It's like, they don't know, man. They need help. <laughs> they need to be taught. So teach them, you know? So I think that's my, that's my thing to finish off. I think the biggest thing for the parents is to be a good resource if you can. And some parents don't have a clue, but when you see your kid that he loves hockey, that's number one. Like that actually is number one. He loves to play. And if he loves to play and you're willing to give him the opportunity to play at whatever level that is, then, you know, the, it's the life lessons that will get them through it. And that's the life lessons of preparing and working hard and solving problems. And, you know, the good, the, the, the bad things that are good, like you were treated unfair. He's treating someone better than me. He doesn't understand me. I'm not getting the opportunities. Those are really good <laughs> lessons that parents can go through with their kids with and to teach them to be resilient, to teach them how to, and it hurts. It hurts. If you when you say, when you, if you ever see your kid struggling with something, it hurts because you want to fix it. But the only one that could fix it and be better off for is your kid. So those are the things that you can do as a parent is, is, is that. And like the example of where they can Warren Clark, that's a great example of a kid that just loved to play hockey. And I don't think his parents at any point were freaking out about not getting drafted in the OHL. He wanted to play junior P. Okay, let's play junior B. And he played to the best of his ability and he went out West and then he got drafted and he got a full ride scholarship a year earlier than he thought he was going to get. So it's, you know, I, I can't say that enough is play the game because you love the game. Parents, you can't love it for them. You can't. Uh, because, because you don't like, the other thing is, if you don't love what you do, you're not going to do it in the hard times anyways. You'll find a million reasons why it, it's not good or not working, right? But when when life is sucking at some point, but you still decide you're going to shoot pucks, right? Or or work out or whatever, that's when you know that you, you want it. But when dad's telling you to do it, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. Uh, that was fun. I think that was a good one. I enjoyed it. Good work. Yeah, good topic. Okay, I'm gonna stop now. Goodbye.